Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining us today for Office Organization. I'm so excited to hear about some tips and tricks to get my home office organized because it's a disaster. (laughs) Um, So just a few reminders for those of us in Zoom, please keep yourself muted. Um, At at a certain point, Deb will ask for questions and answers, and at which time we will have Hael tell us how to raise our hand and mute and unmute ourselves. And just wanted to let you guys know that most of the whole foundation sessions will send out post-session notes. So at the end of the session, I will give you information on how to reach out to whole foundation. And this year we are celebrating 60 years of being in service. And there's a lot of great things that we do out at the park in person outside of Portland, Oregon. And in addition to having four to seven Zoom calls every week with a separate email than what ACB does. This is on the ACB community calls, but not all of our sessions are. So at the end, when I give contact information, you can contact us and get on our list. So right now I'd like to go ahead and turn it over to Deb Marinos. Good morning and thank you so much for having me. And I just want to say that I'm so excited that you're all here and don't we all have to struggle with that organization and and finding things and what that piece of paper is. Excuse me, Deb, can you talk a little louder? I will work on it. Is that better? Yes, thank you. Okay. So I am Deb Marinos, and I am so glad you're all here. And I'm really excited to see what you might be able to use out of what we share. I want to let you know what we will cover today. And I also want to let you know a little bit about me. So I have retinitis pigmentosa. I was diagnosed at age 35. I'm 64. So I've been dealing, I was diagnosed legally blind at age 35. So I've been dealing with this a lot. And I have a lot of gratitude for my teachers, you know, Michael Yamada and Carol McCall and Kathy Bickerdyke and many other people along the way who helped me learn so many different ways to handle what I was dealing with. Um, I had a determination to be efficient and it's always good to know the why did I have to become so particular about things working and not wasting time and being able to find what I needed regardless of whether my vision was working was because when I was diagnosed, I had three young children. I was running electrical contracting business and taking care of my mom and dad who both needed a lot of care. And so, plus I had some community involvement. So suddenly not driving and all of that just really cuts into your time. So that was my why. And then we like to talk about who will benefit. Anybody who needs to be competitive at work or get a lot done in a short amount of time. People who are more about doing work than the back office stuff. In other words, you don't really like geeking out on putting things in order and filing, which would be me. And then... I want to give you a picture of my office situation. You know, I call it out of the box or adaptation that are a step beyond the standard and put everything in its place. So let's face it, construction sites and 
state offices. I worked for the state for a while. I had people in my office. I had employees. I had everybody with a lot of different opinions about things that go. And then I think if I tell you the latest story, I'll let you know honestly that it doesn't always work. So I recently discovered I was teaching a class and my electronic book decided not to work. And I said, well, all right, maybe I need to go back to using a CTTV. I can't see very much, but if I had just that extra edge. So I got one, used one, and I found I had a nice table that, um, you know, goes up and down, and I put it on there. The problem was is that I also have my death is electric because I have back troubles and I have other chronic illnesses. I have to accommodate for those as well. So I have to do sit-stand thing all day long when in my little breaks. And unfortunately, my sit-stand desk got underneath my CTT table, picked it up and dumped it over and dropped it and broke it. So as we all know, CTTVs are not cheap. So obviously, I said, wow, that's a big problem. I did manage to get the thing fixed, and that was awesome. So I didn't have to replace it, but I sure didn't want to leave that CTTV on that desk. It was really handy where it was, and I could have said, oh my gosh, I'll just be careful. I don't know if you hear yourself saying that, but I'm here to tell you that that's probably not your best friend because there's just something about vision not working that we miss stuff, and we think we're going to remember it all, but it doesn't work that way. So making things easy or the difficulty of knowing when to just try harder or be more careful versus changing. So I want to stop a minute and just talk about changing because all of you probably know what you need to do to organize your office, but some of you will get excited about some new ideas and I hope to make it easier. But the reality is learning from the lessons without being compulsive or beating yourself up or getting upset is the big question. Is it really a problem? And does it need a solution? Do I know a better way? Does somebody else know a better way? Just because it works for somebody else doesn't mean it's your best option. And having no possibilities keeps us stuck. So if we can't see past it, then we don't try anything. Or if we think that it might fail, kind of like I might have decided not to keep my CTTV at all because I'm just going to break it or whatever, that's not going to help me get the problems. That's what we call being stuck. In rehabilitation work, we use something called motivational interviewing, and they talk about folks cannot see how to implement change until they have gone through contemplation and finally resolve the ambivalence of doing, I really need to change something. In other words, is the pain big enough to make staying the same way you are more painful than trying to change? Because change is hard. Can you think of a time when you resisted to change? Maybe using your white cane, maybe using a magnifier, maybe using JAWS, speech access, and then only to realize that how much you enjoyed it when you finally basically caved in to your resistance and then said, hey, this is so, so hard to do, but really worth it on the other side. So that's what we're really looking at is the things that will help you. So when you hear, I don't need that, it won't work for me, my situation is unique, 
Why do I always think there's another way? So what do you do? Um, people will say, well, you, you only, and, and they keep pushing. Well, we know from motivational interviewing, if you push at the resistance, it just gets stronger. It's not going to help you, and you all have your own inside critic. It's not going to help you change anything if you keep pushing against it. If you can stop and be super kind and compassionate to yourselves and say, there must be a reason that I'm letting everything just kind of pile up, and I really don't like it when I have to deal with it. But ask yourself, what scares you about changing? And I would like you to use a grain of salt listening to me. My experiences are so varied. You know, I worked in a hospital ER. I worked in high school classrooms, multiple classrooms. I worked in construction sites and hardware stores. And I also worked in a chaotic community nonprofit crisis clinic. It was really un not blind friendly. And so I have a pretty, um, oh, I don't know. I'm maybe more flexible than some of you just because I had to, it, it got beat into me. And now I have a home, a home office and I'm working doing Zoom thanks to COVID, which has actually been a real blessing in the sense that there's more work that I can do from home. So I have great troubleshooting skills. I have successful outcomes behind me. I have awareness and respect for process and that I know this is hard work. So please relax and take what works for you. So let's start with the first tips. So solving the frustrating world of looking good on Zoom. So this is a little bit off of the organization, but it actually isn't. And it's part of competing in an unfair world. You jump on Zoom, nobody knows what you are. You often don't have the opportunity to explain why you might have a hat on and why you might um, not look at the screen correctly or whatever. Um, I found that to be a huge barrier in the beginning of COVID. And so I hired a couple of consultants and what they said was I had to have a straight camera. So they tell you not to use your laptop because it's not as good a video or whatever. Anyway, the point is, is that I had to have it at the right height and I had to have it straight without any effort on my part. So I bought, finally, through some experimentation, these little um, organizer drawers on, off of Amazon and they're metal mesh. And they have been my saving grace because the laptop, the reason they had to be metal mesh is so the laptop would stay cool. And um, the top drawer, in other words, things don't move around on my desk and my laptop doesn't move. And I can check with my fingers that it lines up with the drawers. Does that make sense? So I have the drawers in a certain spot on my desk lined up with my keyboard and then the laptop on top of that. And then so long as... I don't open or shut the lid, right? If I keep the lid in the same direction, I know that I am not gonna be giving people the opportunity to look up my nose throughout an entire Zoom call and that I'm gonna technically be looking at the camera. Um, colors, I was amazed at the amount of drama around backgrounds, colors, and all that stuff. And I just went, oh my gosh. So if you can see just a little bit of my background because I'm on screen share, you're not going to see it, but um, you'll see that I went with the royal blue, my favorite color, and I just, I had some stuff around the house. I threw it on the shelf and said, here, what do you want? You know, the coach was after me. No, that's not quite right. No, your placement's not. I'm just like, okay. You know, yes, you can use the, you know, a, there's a 
a thing you can attach to the back of your chair and it has a great big old piece of fabric on it so that you have your own background and anything in your room doesn't matter the problem is yeah trying not to bump into it and smack my face on it was a problem so um i've stuck with just making sure that my background is clean i don't let anybody put anything there and i make sure it Every once in a while I have sighted people check it to make sure it still looks good. I have my big monitor on an arm. So right now I'm looking at my laptop screen, which is fairly big, but not big enough. So to my right, if I were just to look a little bit to the right, I have a big monitor and I have it on in one of those telescoping arms. And that's been my saving grace because for Zoom, I can push it in and out. If I can't see something, I can pull it up quick and look at it. Um, or... You know when i'm using jaws or anyway there's all these things you can do now and drive your thing so finding stuff on my desk i use baskets i love baskets in different shapes and sizes right now i'm putting my hand on a white basket that has holes in the side and then i had a, a really cool cardboard one that came with some fruit and so in it is my calculator my reading glasses my um special books and the post-it note that always gets lost just the important things I also have a round um, clay pot that the kids made me, and that's my pen holder. Everything has to have a distinct feel to it, and it has to have a place on my desk. It does not go away. Um, long, long ago, I was taught to have a specific spot for important things, and I call that the stamp position. So if you think about an envelope, it's really important to have consistent. Carol McCall would just go on and on and on about this. You don't lose your cane if you always put it on the left of the door hinge, blah, blah, blah. Okay, got it. So the stamp position is where the basket is and where the pins are and the stapler. Everything's right there. Um, obviously, all the million and one little things that you have. So if I open my drawer here, it has three divided. Inside, I have a plastic tub that has paper cups. I have a little glass thing that has... Um, small parts that I need like USB drives and my little paper cutter thing. I have here container that has a spare hearing aid in case it likes to go crazy in the middle of life. And of course my whiteout and all the things, just one, but it everything has the rule of how often do you use it? If you only use it once in a coon's age, it doesn't belong in the drawer closest to you. If you use it once a day, yes, or even once a week, depending on how many parts and pieces you have, you can keep it close to you. But if it's something that you only use once a year, you can put it in a wonderful spot, but it's not going to be really close to you. You're going to have to get up and go get it. Marking I use just about everything um, for tape. I mean, my reading glasses have a piece of, don't have tape on the side, but my sighted glasses do because I can't tell which ones I have on so I can reach up and feel. Um, I use bump dots. I also use something, um, I don't know if all of you found these, but the fuzzy dots they use for cabinet bumpers. The glue on them is seriously sticky, but removable. And... The softness is a lot more fun to run into, so that's what I have on the J and K keys, and it it, it just really um, keyboard. I do use lock dots for on my laptop because if you use too big a bump there, you're gonna hurt the laptop when you shut it. 
And speaking, yeah, so let's say, knowing where, what time it is in your office and in the middle of a Zoom call, that has been the hardest, nastiest thing. I have a Braille note taker, and if it sat on my lap nicely and I could feel it, that would be the best. I, I know that um, some people are using Apple Watch. I'm still able to see my iPhone if I have... There's a, um, something called Big Clock. It's an app, and I can turn it sideways, and it lets me choose what colors. So it's black with a white background. The letters are probably an inch tall, and it's sitting in front of those drawers, which, by the way, the bottom drawer became very not useful. So what it only has is scrap paper. So you know the paper that the printer printed, and it's basically blank, but there might be a page number on it, or there might be some random something? And you really probably should recycle it, but you might need a piece of paper for something. Anyway, that's what goes in there. I try not to have very many, but at least I'm not picking those pieces of paper up all the time, trying to scan them or wonder, do they have something on them? Are they important? Do I need to keep them? So that's another piece of managing paper. I did, and you're going to laugh if you could see it, and I probably, I guess I could have put a picture in the slideshow for those of you that can see, but... I'll just describe it for the rest of us. Um, I had a small chair, kind of like a wooden chair that might be at a child's desk that had a back on it. And I plopped it on the back of my desk because I needed something to clamp the arms. You know, the monitor arm clamped the desk is heavy duty, but the extra camera and the whatever I'm hanging off of something, I needed something that was solid enough that I could clamp to and unclamp to that wasn't on the desk, not behind a monitor, not disturbing everything. It's where my second clock, I actually put a screw in the back of it and it's one of those big office clocks. So, you know, 12 inch type clock and it sits in a certain spot. And the reason that was so important is because my desk does go up and down, so I can't just put things next to it. And anyway, it gives me multiple layers. That's the point I'm trying to make out is my desk is not flat. I have multiple layers so that I can put, for example, I have a guide dog and we have a little deal. When he comes in and goes to work in here, he's very serious about that. He goes and he lays in his bed and he gets a treat. That's our deal. Well, if I can't find the treats, I'm, a, I'm losing the game. So where do I put the treats? It's under the chair. I know exactly where it is because it's always up against the bottom rail under the chair. And so... Um, it's just how you make it feel, look, or depending on what vision you have or don't have, how you make it happen. Lighting. Lighting is so key for a lot of us. Um, and I've been playing, you know, I'm an electrician, so I have some input into lighting and colors and all that. The latest, greatest, is I have floor lamps stuck on the tables in the corner. Because when the lights were too low and I had them on so everybody else can see me, then I couldn't see the screen because of the glare. So now they are like way up there, but not so high as to cause a down shadow. And then I had to add a lamp to do bottom light so that I don't have shadows that way. But anyway, so it ends up being four different lights. So I have them on one of those power plug strips and I have the strip glued down again, tied to that chair because it's heavy enough to balance it. And so one switch turns them on and off. And then that way I always know that, you know, 
I guess I know. Hopefully I know unless somebody says something different. Now lately I was teaching a class at night. I have some natural lighting through the window, which by the way, I had to use curtains and have somebody help me get it just right because you can't have it too bright or too dim. But I bought this lamp on uh, Amazon. It's a floor lamp and it's a, it has a remote, which has been a pest, but it's in the box. And anyway, it has, what, six colors and five levels. So I use that at night to help me see the things that I can't see because all the lights are out except the ones to make it work for Zoom. So anyway, it becomes area lighting. And again, it's on the search strip so that it turns on and off with that. Um, so play around with lighting, I guess, might be the thing. I used to have a little clip-on battery one, but I forget and leave it on, and the battery's already dead, and so it didn't work. And, and as I said, the rule is, you know, if it isn't working, fix it somehow. Don't just put up with it. You know, what do we tolerate? that isn't working for us. Now, I got a question for you. How many pens do you need on your desk? And this is an area where I often get a lot of, in the beginning when I gave presentations, chuckles, and sometimes people go, well, that doesn't work. I believe everybody needs two dozen pens. That's my firm rule. Whatever you're using to write with, two dozen, no less. I can probably make it now with a dozen pens, because I don't use a pen a whole lot anymore, but I used to when I was, you know, when you work and you have to sign a lot of stuff and you have a lot of paper you're dealing with. Um, why is that? Well, because when I drop a pen, my vision is such that it disappears. And my back is bad, so getting down on the floor every time is not always a good idea. Now, because of the dog, I have to kind of watch that because he would enjoy chewing up my pens. But nevertheless, I take my foot and I knock them all out of his way. And then once a week, I go pick them all up. It's another thing that was, for me, causing too much time loss. And, you know, how many times do we pull a pen out and then find out it doesn't actually work? So that's the other thing. I don't allow old pens, and I replace the pens every so many times. I just have a budget. Every so many months, I buy that many pens. I dump them. I let somebody else play with them and figure out if they dried up yet or not. Um... And so that's just one of the important things of how we do that. <sighs> so that felt like I talked a lot real fast. So let me just reflect and say that things are best done. I don't know how you choose when to make changes. I know for me, it's best if I don't do it when I'm hungry, angry, tired, or lonely. It's best if I do it when I have the most energy, but that's when I'm least likely to want to do something boring, like figure out why I'm not filing my papers or why my stuff is piled up. I would guarantee you that the times that I get the most organized is when I am looking for something. And I don't know about you, but that's when it. When you've lost something and you need it, somebody wants this particular piece of paper, you start going through the piles. And then hopefully you have a system at that time to not just let the pile exist, right? You have a place for everything, so at least when you're handling. There's a rule that says only touch it once. So, for example, I have a mailbox out in my garage where the mailman dropped the thing. And I made sure it was big enough that it can stay there for quite some time. Because I can look on the, you know, informed delivery. 
I don't go out there and deal with the junk mail until I'm going to really deal with it. So it gets in my hand and there's a recycle next to there and it goes immediately in the recycle if that's what it is. And if it's a build, it's a certain spot for it to go. And most of the time they're all automatic, so we don't worry about them. But anyway, back to storage options. So in my office, it is a bedroom. So it had a closet to my left. I'm kind of looking over in that direction. but And I... Um, put in what's called Rubbermaid type shelving. It's a wire shelving and it's adjustable. You put up the rails in the back and then you just stick in the brackets and you can move the shelves around. They're quite strong. They're meant for, they're not a residential version, they're a commercial version because I knew that I was going to be putting my paper for my printer and many, many things on it. So what I had used from my hardware store um, and I talked about that a couple weeks ago, it's what I call cardboard bin boxes. So they're all the same size and they're six and a half inches by whatever the width of the shelf is, which is right around 12 inches. And they can be written on with a marker. So for me, that was enough. And I can look from this distance, they got a white front and black marker. I also, at one point um, when my vision had some tanks in the middle, so I do know enough Braille that I have a few Braille letters on it. And then I also have uh, a large print tape thing, which I don't use anymore because it takes too long. If I can find somebody else, if I have an employee, I'm more than happy to let them do that. I pretty much stick with either markers or post-it papers. I'm really fond of the post-it notes um, for marking things so it can be moved easily. And I can, again, put dots or things on it. My stamps, I have one envelope that has envelopes and in the front of it I have the stamps but it's thin enough that I actually clip the stamps with those huge paper clips. I love those great big binder paper clips because they're great for marking things and also for clipping things to the front side or back so that you know where things are exactly, you're not rummaging. Um, Scissors, I didn't mention, but I keep my scissors in the pen holder on my desk with the points down so that they're handy because I do need them from time to time, you know, to cut the braille tape and to open things. And it just seems like there's a lot of scissors things going on. And you don't want them wandering away. I have many pairs of scissors also. I have one in every drawer, one in every pen holder, uh, because there's other people around and they seem to borrow my stuff. And so, you know. It's annoying when I have to go find one, but it's easy because I've got another pair and I just go fish it out and then holler, where'd it go? So, um, fuzzy dots on keyboard, we did. I'm looking at my notes here. In the closet, I have a stack of labels for my printer. So if I'm doing labels, I have my greeting cards in a box that feels different than everybody else. I have the extra pen that I'm not using. I have the post-it note that I'm not using. I have a box for batteries. I have a box for what I call demo tools. So if I have something that I'm not using every day, but I'll drag it out. So for example, extra signature guides, extra um, phone parts. I have a multiple careers, so I have parts for my counseling things, and I have things that, oh, and I had a little talking bill reader, and who knows what I might have in there. And, um, but it, 
it makes sense to me. So that's one of the pieces around organization. How are you going to organize it? Are you going to organize it by what it is? In other words, only black pens. If you need to keep straight, whether they're black or blue, then you could have a different box, but then you still have the problem of not knowing which box to put it in. So I would recommend that you have one box for pens and then you have bins inside the pens or you keep the black pens in a rubber band and the blue pens loose so that you really can't make the mistake. And if you were really being nice to yourself, you would buy different brands or types. So one's a click and one's not or vice versa so that you're always keeping it straight. It's, it's just annoying to have things that feel the same and you know, and if it matters to you. And if it doesn't matter to you, then only choose to buy blue pen. Um, once in a while, somebody will say you got to have a black pen, but it's much more likely that they're going to want something signed with blue. So I pretty much have, and I use something called a Pentel sign marker. Um, I love the 2020s, but they have their issues, especially if it rains on them, they run. Um, and you know, the Sharpies bleed through and all of that. So the best pen I've found, and there are some others I've found, but I can't ever find them consistently, is something they use in um, when they have you sign escrow for buying and selling and, and legal documents. And it's called a sign pen, S-I-G-N. And it doesn't bleed through. It has no scent. It comes in blue. And it's broad, but it's got a very uh, chiseled, tip so it's it you can fit the letters into the little bitty boxes that they give you um, better I wouldn't say it's as good as a thin pen but I can't see that so this is my combination but anyway experimenting I every about once a year I'll go to some big office supply store and I'll sit and look at all the pens and see who's got you know ask the person I'm shopping with okay I'm looking for at least a minimum of 0.8 mm pen and what do they say it is and I bought some gel pens this year and they're kind of okay um, but you can't really tell when you're writing and when it's actually working so that one's not as good wired mouses so on my desk I have a laptop but I always have an extended keyboard and a mouse and I had a wireless mouse forever and I was forever chasing the battery and it across the floor as it went bouncing so now I kept stuck with the wired version because, as I say, my mouse has a tail and I can find it because the tail is always hanging and if I just have to find a tail and then I can yank up the mouse. So that's been a real time saver. Um, I wanted to mention that CTTVs, we talk about it for size, but for many of you that have RP, you have eye fatigue that may be benefited by having contrast or intensity changes. You know, I, for my eyes, in the morning, I need it certain brightness, and then as the day goes on, it changes, and then at night, i got to change it again. So having the ability to use a wheel and go up and down and make things the color and intensity you need helps your office to work better for you. So let's talk a little bit about notebooks with pockets. So we're talking about all that paper. We're moving to the paper. And so for what I do, because, like, if I have a class and I have... 15 or 20 handouts or that's pretty standard I could have more but anyway I have a lot of papers that I keep track of so I buy these um, plastic plastic because they don't rip and 
undo themselves so quickly and they're easy to get in and out. And I like a certain kind um, because they are easy to get in and out. And they go in a three ring binder notebook and they have a tab on the top that I can mark or just put them in position and by colors or however I want to do them. And then they have pockets. So the worksheets go one, two, three. So when I'm in class and I go, okay, it's time for worksheet number five, I can- Deb, your yep. voice got very quiet again. Okay. I wonder what that is. Um, let's see. I didn't change anything. The computer might have changed something. Hmm. Let me know if it gets any louder. Did, I'll play. Did around. anybody else experience that? Kyle, did you notice her get quieter? Because it sounds the my... same to me. But okay, maybe it's just my end then, Deb. Okay. <laughs> Well, and that's good to know. I'm glad you're telling me because we don't want to sit here and talk and not be heard. All right. So notebooks with pockets are great because you can just flap four pages and know you're supposed to be where you're at. So if you have forms or things that you have to give people. Um, I also have a rolling filing cabinet, which I absolutely love. It's it's on the ground. It has four. I have all the fancy ones on the wall too. But as I said, the things that you use all the time. What I discovered why I wasn't filing is because I had to get up and go over and put it in the filing drawer. And it was easier to just throw it in that thing on my desk. Um, that wasn't so cool. So two things I changed. I have what I called a sorter. And I have the one of them is what I call my business bills or AET receipts. I do not distinguish what they are. I hope never to read them again. I just print them. I have them in case I ever got audited. They are important to have. And whether or not I could find them in an electronic file, I, I don't know about that. So I just print whatever bills come, go in this filing sorter, and then every few months I grab them and shove them in the um, actual filing cabinet by quarter so that if I had to go in and look, I could, you know, shorten my process a little bit. So far, I've never had to look at them. I just pick them up, put them in the drawer, and there they sit. But the rolling filing cabinet, I use a lot, and it's right literally leaning against my leg. And so not only do I use the filing inside because it's right there, it's right at my hand. I can pull it to me. I have the filing folders with the label, uh, braille label on the back, and then I also have a sticky post-it note depending on my mood. Um, and then I have it divided into, I'm actually going to pull it out so I can remember, into very simple things. So one is banking. The other one, or any kind of personal financial stuff, one is tax support. So for example, whatever the tax person can ask me, somebody sends me a 1099, somebody, um, there's some big check or there's some something that's probably going to have a question mark later. Um, I, it goes in there and it just sits there until tax time comes around. Then I have alphabetically the things that matter to me. So um, that need to be together because either I'm going to have to put them in my tax records or so thinking about your filing, not from the point of, okay, I filed all my bills. I have PGE under P and I have natural Northwest natural gas under N. And, you know, filing is a nuisance. It really is. But you need what you need and you don't want to spend time doing things you don't need. So thinking about it, can you remember 
what goes in utilities. If you really do need to have the utilities for some reason, me, I have moved mostly to paperless and I keep one a year, one bill a year, so that I have the account numbers or rather someone else has the account numbers if they were to need them. If I were to get sick or something and they need to turn off my automatic billing, they're going to need those account numbers and the address and all that good stuff. So I have one folder that's pretty static. I change it every couple of years, but it has all of my automatic bills in it. And there's just one of them. And then I don't keep those anymore because they're not part of my business deductions that would come up for taxes. They just are. And so things like house insurance. When do you need your house insurance? Well, you don't probably need your house insurance policy at all until you do. And then it's super important that you know where it is. So I have a folder marked house. So the things that are super important around my house are there. So that's what, you know, it's a different way about thinking and filing. It's not necessarily by name, but more by function or time. So if you really don't like filing and you don't even care what's in there, do it by quarters. Just have January through March, April through whatever, just so that you don't have to go back through it later. If you know that everything you put in there is, you know, routine utility bills and stuff you bought that you don't need anymore because you're not returning it or whatever reason you were keeping that particular receipt, then you can toss whenever, whatever cycle you use. So you do need to have, and I use in my phone, I have a little cycle that says, you know, time to balance the checkbook, time to clean out the old filing. And for me, it's kind of associated. When I send my stuff at the end of the year, between Christmas and New Year's, when I'm getting ready to close out the year, that's when I go through all of the files and throw out all the stuff that doesn't need to be done. But I don't have to look at it. I don't have to sort through the folders to see if I need to do anything with it. I don't even have to feel it all. My sister would always braille. Every piece of paper had to have a braille card on it and it was stapled to it. Every last piece of paper. And, you know, it was great. She could find anything. But I don't have that patience or time. And I think that my life needs to be spent doing something besides filing and labeling. So um, I do have a miscellaneous for me just to finish it. I have my health insurance categories because that's just a never ending. You never know when you're going to need those. So I keep those. And then I have the, my employee has one folder, any employees or people that I hire because sometimes that, that can be audited. And then the rest of it just goes in miscellaneous. It's like, I don't need you. Well, if you're not business, I'll probably never ever see you again. And if I do, then I'm just going to pull the folder out and say, here, sighted person, you find this bill, if that's what I need to do. Um, obviously, electronically, and I'm looking at that, at how to do save PD PDFs and not have paper. And, you know, and obviously I have a scanner and I could do all that stuff. But again, since my goal is to not waste time and to have more fun doing the things I want to do, I, I have made some decisions. One thing that I did do, and I love it. Deb, it's 20 till the top of the hour, by the way. Okay, good. So we have to have time for questions. So let me just finish this little thing, and then I will open it up. So 
the side is a filing cabinet. I have two two drawer. I have a two drawer and a three drawer, so I know which filing cabinet it is. There's nothing worse than filing and then trying to go back and find out that you're in the wrong place and everything's messed up. Activations and password codes. I keep in my iPhone. I keep them either in the contacts or in the notes. Um, and I have a couple of different notes, but I have one that I can just search at the top and say what it is I'm looking for. And then voila, it comes up and tells me what I have. There's also ways to electronically save things and there's different ways to do it. But I do find that, you know, those serial numbers, all that stuff, when I get something new, the model number for my appliances, that all goes in my phone. It's not in my filing system so that I have access to it. And let's see, we talked about all of that. Grid planning. Every once in a while you have a project that you need to um, plan out ahead. So you're going to look at what you're going to do next week, what you're going to do three months, and all of that. What I have found to work the best is a piece of card, you know, the back of the large print calendar, the cardboard, the big cardboard, I draw a grid, and then I use post-it notes. Um, and it just, even though I may not be reading them, the act of writing the post-it note and sticking it up there and deciding where it needs to go is what helps me get big projects broken down into small items. And that's been really helpful. And the other thing I will just close with is accounting and that stuff. I have found something called You Need a Budget, which has been very accessible on the iPhone. Um, you can use, I also found one that was free. That one's not free, um, about $100 a year. Um, Visual Budget is a free app and it's from Kiwi. And um, if you don't, you know, have, the need to produce a lot of reports. It'll actually let you save it into an Excel or PDF. It was probably the nicest one I've ever found. And it was completely accessible on the iPhone. So in summary, don't put up with repetitive time wasters. Write them down for later resolution. Set a time once a week or a month to solve whatever not getting done. Think about, does it need to get done? And how could I possibly get it done? Or who could I give it to do? And then check in with all the organizational gurus, even if it's not blindness related. Obviously our blindness teachers are awesome at giving us all 101 ideas. And so are occupational therapists in certain situations. And then to get all the blindness training you can, even if you don't need it now, and then use as many tactile options as you can. Even if you can see, um, you'll notice that big corporations will use certain things that we use just to save time. So be super kind to yourself and patient and find your sense of humor. And so I'll close with this short story. So when the office ribbon first started, oh, I think it was 2010, I was working, I was freaking out because it just blew my world up. I had every keyboard combination for Office figured out. I used them all day long. It, you know, so I went to talk to Winslow Parker up at the commission. He was the computer tech teacher. And he said, well, it's 14 tabs to get to that. No, I haven't found any other way to get there. And I go, how do you count the 14 reliably? And he sang me a little jingle that he had made up 
that he could sing da 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 and he would be at the right place. And that was the day that I had to say, okay, get over yourself and have some fun. All right, so let's do questions. So, um, so Hyle, you want to give the information, and then I wanted to mention an uh, idea to Hyle. You want to give the sure. hand raising stuff? One moment, please. So, these are all toggles. Um, on a PC, Alt-Y to raise your hand, Alt-Y to also not raise your hand or lower your hand, Alt-A to mute and unmute, Command shift a to mute and unmute, Option, Option Y to raise and lower your hand. We will do that for you, by the way. Lower left corner, lower left corner is the mute lower on the app, on the Zoom app on your smartphone. Um, on the lower right-hand corner, more buttons right to the left to go to raise hand. Originally, it is a little, actually I have a little cute little hand. Um, star nine to mute and unmute on the touch tone phone and star six to, um, I'm sorry, star nine to raise your hand and star six to mute and unmute. Okay. And there and you go. Thanks. And I wanted to mention, um, you know, Deb, you mentioned brailing things. Have you used the brailables? They're like the, you can buy them from American Printing House and you can get, it's like a plastic sheet that has stick them on one side and they can go into a braille writer and they're clear plastic. And you can get them in different sizes. So like they have some like that are one by three inches about the size of an address label that would just have a little bit of braille on them, you know, that could hold a couple lines of braille. But I found those very helpful when I'm trying to label some stuff with braille and with them being clear, then if I have sighted people in the world, they could still read whatever's behind it. So, um, and those are American printing houses where I get them. Yeah, all the different brailing clear things and it, they're awesome. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then, you know, the Dymo tape, if you have the little um, metal bracket that goes in the back of your Perkins Brailler. Yeah. Yeah. There's really some great too. ways. But I do enjoy, I enjoy rolling in the labels and then having them in there and just typing them and they're already cut. So you don't have to do as much cutting. Yeah. But the, the single sheets, yeah. It all, there's a whole world in Brailing. <laughs> any raised hands none uh, so far none so far ah i think somebody just raised their hand is that nancy yes it is hi welcome thank you i have a question about the large print calendar the library is there somewhere to find those so are you on the talking book and braille do you get talking books at all i do get talking books so once a year, you should be getting a calendar. Oh, from my state library, my Wolfner? Yeah. I don't know if every state does that. I don't know. I know we do here in Oregon. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm in Missouri. Right. So that would be, um, do you know anybody else on the call know if, where you can buy them if your state library doesn't provide them? I can check online, but I thought... I just didn't know that was a possibility. They, they are um, through Amazon. You can buy some. 
And okay. they actually have some that have like a spiral thing halfway through. I, I have a friend that used to get talking books and then doesn't anymore and called me desperate for one. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, Amazon has some. And and the other adapted aids places like Independent Living Aids, LSNS, Maxi Aids, you know, probably APH, you know, all of those places that sell adaptive stuff would have those um, also. Okay, great. Thank you. I really enjoyed the presentation. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming. So Kat has her hand raised. Yes, hello. Um, This is Kat. And uh, I just had a a comment. Um, You said to save all the passwords in your phone. Well, I've just recently had an incident where my phone bit the dust. I have no access to my phone. What would you recommend for a backup? Because all my passwords, everything are locked in that phone. Well, and that's a really good point. And I didn't bring it up. So I've also had those moments where what if your phone is dead? What if all this and everything? So I did find an app that allows me to print everything in my phone contacts because I keep most of it in the contacts. So it's sorted that way. But I have discovered that I save my, I make sure my old iPhone is not completely dead. It might not keep a charge. I keep it around and I keep it hooked up to the cloud backup system. So now that's my backup. Okay, so I've got to see if my all my information's in the cloud. Okay, cool. Another thing um, about the calendars, Oregon uh, has that really wonderful large print uh calendar that they give out from the library. Um, but I'm in Washington. Washington just gives you basically a regular large print calendar that you can buy anywhere. And it's nowhere near as nice as the Oregon one. Um, so when you're looking for large print uh, cal- uh, calendars, I would not suggest you type in large print. I would suggest you type in jumbo print because what they refer to as large print is not sufficient. Like I said, Oregon State gives the really, really good one out. Yeah, that's really good to know, and that's why I asked, because I figured you might know better. On the cloud thing, I just wanted to let you know, when I put it in my phone, I code it. I don't put it in there as it is, just because somebody could pick up my phone, just because of all the cloud stuff. So I code all of my passwords, and I'm not going to tell you what my code is, but basically I change the letters in a predictable pattern so I know what it means, but nobody else does. Well, I have mine um, on the yellow note, the sticky note pads, the notes, but I have that particular one is locked, so you have to have a passcode to get into the passwords. Right, and that's another way to do it. And you know, my sister kept all of her stuff in a Word document on her computer that was passed. I don't know if she had it passcoded, but, you know, that was, in her mind, the most secure thing. But in those days, I don't think she was even tied to the Internet. And then later, of course, she was. But um, today, it's just really hard to balance. And they had a talk about that at the legislative conference. You know, you have to balance security with convenience and living and time wasting and not time wasting. And granted, if you have a security breach, then all of a sudden you don't really not very happy with yourself for however you allowed that to happen. But the reality is that all my security breaches have been some financial institution Mm -hmm. or me flat forgetting or 
breaking or losing or whatever. So those seem to be my biggest security risk. So, you know, I may change my mind. So I agree with you. But yes, I do code everything. So it's not, nobody could pick up my phone. In fact, in my will, I have a letter of instructions in there and I had to put in there how it's all coded because they have all the passwords, but they wouldn't know it. They right. wouldn't know what to do with them. Okay. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed this. Oh, thank you. I think we have time for one more question. Um, there's about three minutes left. Oh, I know. I had one thing I wanted to ask. Mail. People, whenever I was working in an office, they'd leave you mail, they'd leave you sticky notes, they'd leave you whatever, all over your, all over the freaking world. And you'd be like, hey, hello. So I use the trays, the trays that we use in the kitchen. I always had a tray mailbox. So, and I had a sticky note pad in that one. So if they didn't have paper, then they could use, put a sticky note in my tray. So when I came into my office, I ran my hand through the tray. And if it wasn't in there, that's too bad because that was my mailbox. That's a good idea. Actually, I, I, I love several of your ideas um, today, Deb. I, I got to say that uh, I, um, a year and a half ago, destroyed what was in my office was my bedroom. Part of my bedroom was the office. And I still don't have my new desk yet. So I've been like dealing with things out of boxes. Fortunately, I don't do much. But you know, this was great because I'm getting ready to set up my office again at home. And so a lot of great things because I've done things more as a somebody with sight and now I don't have much vision left. And so a um, lot of great ideas on what I can do to make it more efficient. So I really appreciate the information today myself. And with no other questions, I'll go ahead and go through the end of our session. Um, so I want to thank Deb Marinos for her time today. This has been a lot of great information and I hope everybody got something out of it. And we'd like to thank the contributors and members of the whole Foundation and Learning Center for without their financial support, we wouldn't be able to hold our workshops or do you know, some of the other things they do is peer-to-peer -peer support. So if you are having specific issues and want to talk to somebody, Who's been there? The sight loss instructors. We've all we all experience sight loss, and all of that is free to connect with somebody. We even have a couple people that can help with some minor tech issues that you may be having. So, in just a minute, I will give you contact information so you can get a hold of the park. And we have one more Zoom session this afternoon um, that is at one p.m. Pacific. That's for Eastern for all you people on the wrong side of the. <laughs> country. <laughs> um, and it's traveling solo as a visually impaired person um, to Alaska. So Desiree Christian's going to talk about her trip she had taken. So that's pretty exciting. And the whole foundation right now is holding a raffle. And if you contact the office, you'd be able to buy tickets. And the prizes, there's a $200 in cash or a weekend at the beautiful coast of Oregon are some of the things coming up. So also we send out post-session notes. So um, I'm sure Deb submitted some of her information. So if you're wanting a copy of those, I took attendance during our thing, or you can contact the office and say, hey, I would like those office organization tips and tricks. And we also do a monthly newsletter that has a lot of valuable information, including our month-long 
workshop schedule. So you can get a hold of us by calling 503-668-6195. Again, 503-668-6195. Or you can send an email to oralhole at gmail.com. And that's O-R-A-L-H-U-L-L at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the web at www.holparkfortheblind.org. So that's H-U-L-L Park, F-O-R, theblind.org. And we do have some great in-person events coming up. Um, and the whole foundation is just outside of Portland, Oregon. They make travel arrangements to and from the train station, bus depot, and airport. So if you, you can request more information on upcoming retreats, they even have week-long camp things during the summer, which I'm so excited. I might actually get to go for the first time in my life. <laughs> so, um, so that'll be really exciting. They also have coming up a little, you know, a, a Zoom, a two-day, uh, two hours each day Zoom workshops, which will teach you skills, some of these blind skills, like Deb mentioned, you know, learn what you can learn. And so we actually have a retired rehabilitation instructor, Mary Lee Turner is going to be doing that. So you can get information by contacting the park. So we end with jokes and quotes. So I have a book on how to keep things organized in your home. Unfortunately, I don't remember where I stored it. That sounds like my office, you guys. All right, so we're going to do a little short story time for our quote point to ponder here today. I needed to do the laundry, but then I realized I was out of detergent. So I went to write a shopping list and realized how disorganized the junk drawer was. And I started checking pens for ink. And when I went to toss all the junk, I saw that the trash was full. But before I took it out, I wanted to get rid of the stuff, clean out the fridge. That's when I realized that the juice jug had leaked. So I needed to clean it up. But when I went to grab a rag, I saw the pantry closet was a nightmare. So... I started organizing it. And that's how I ended up on the floor looking at my old photo albums. <laughs> this is from the 1990s and not doing laundry. <laughs> I, I thought that was uh, really great. That sounds like, you know, lots of distractions. So, so one of the big things that Deb would say is keep it organized, right? <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us today and have a wonderful day.